listen to this. You didn't beat nobody, and anybody who knows boxing knows the fight was fixed. Why can't you ignore it? I was wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind marrying me very much. I do. Thanks. Can I be honest? No one's going to offer you an office job. There's too much competition. Why don't you fight? I've read somewhere you're a very good fighter. Was you ever punched in the face 500 times a night? It's, stings after a while, you know. Why go after Bell? Because there's still a lot of people out there that think he won. I want something done publicly to bring this man up. You realize that you're setting yourself up as the bad guy? Look, man, whatever gets him in the ring. The man's running, the man's hiding, the man doesn't want to face me. What are you going to do? I don't know. I was, uh, thinking about fighting. I want all of Philadelphia, I want all of America, I want the whole world to see me destroy this man after two short rounds. Rocky, please. You don't have to prove anything. It's all I know. Let's take a break, okay? Come November, you're mine. I never asked you to stop being a woman, you know. Please, don't ask me to stop being a man. Now he's all finished. Forget this bum. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. You go back to being a two-bit nothing, but don't you ever come back here again because I'm too old to waste my time trying to train a no-good loser like you. Don't worry about nothing. You just sleep as long as you want, okay? And I'm gonna be here when you wake up. Don't lay down in front of a Why don't you stand up and fight this guy hard? Those of you who are watching tonight's telecast, we're either gonna see a real great battle in every sense of the word. There's one thing I want you to do for me. Hmm? Win. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Is It Yours, the movie review program. I'm Paul Spataro, and I was looking to review this movie, and I called up my friend Chris Tyler, the uh, hair metal hero, and I said, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind podcasting with me too much. And yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was, wasn't sure which, which dopey line from the movie I was going to give, but I gave that one. Uh, uh, well, I could have easily just have said, "I don't sweat you." So I was also yeah. thinking, you know, after the after we reviewed Rocky, we said there wasn't going to be no rematch. <laughs> oh well, come on, you can't do Rocky and then not do Rocky too. Come on. And uh, that's what we're here to do today: the 1979 sequel to the 1976 blockbuster Rocky. And right off the bat, I'm going to say. I think this movie is sometimes unfairly viewed because it has a similar pattern and similar beats to the first movie mm-hmm. that I think sometimes it's reviewed as just being a rehash of the first movie. And I think I even fall victim to that myself. Sometimes I start to think that until I did my rewatch and I was like, no, not at all. It really is not. It does have the same beats. It does have the sa- some of the same marks, but it is not a rehash because it is building on the first story, Absolutely. and the characters are growing in the movie. So therefore, it is not. It, it is taking their lives and going further with them. It's not just giving us the same story again. At least that's my take on it. No, that's that's always been my feeling on it, too. It's 
it's this it's the kind of sequel that I think people would jump for joy at nowadays if they got it because a lot of times sequels try to break the mold now and then people get upset or they try to hew too closely to the original and then people get upset. But where this is more, it's a fantasy for sure, but it's a slice of life fantasy as well because the most of the Rocky movies are not about the boxing. It's about the drama of the people involved in the story. And in some ways it's kind of soap opera, but that's what you tune into the tune in for is to see where these people's lives have, have gone to in their, you know, next years. It's so always never... a matter of turning Rocky into the underdog. Yeah, I mean, but that's, I mean, that's the franchise formula with it, and and it, and I mean, it worked. So, I mean, we got six, seven, eight movies now, however many there is. So, it's a uh, Sly was on to something. Yeah. So, following uh, the success of Rocky, they were pretty high on making a sequel. And uh, John Avildsen was not available for this. He was mm-hmm. making uh, Saturday Night Fever. There you go. So he, he wasn't available to do this, and Stallone started to lobby heavily to get the job of director on it. And mm-hmm. apparently uh, the producers were uh, actually you know, on his side in this one. And they had to get, I guess, whatever powers that be to, to consent to it, but they did eventually get agreement to let him direct it and the thought process was and i think it was a wise thought process was that he was so integral in the story to begin with mm-hmm. that no director coming on the scene newly you know new was going to have quite the understanding of how to put this thing together as as well as he did he had directed after the original uh, rocky film he had directed paradise alley so he had shown he could direct. Uh, now, on the other hand, that was not a success. It was not a hit. <laughs> so there, you know, there had to be some uh, apprehension about that. But he did show, you know, that he could he could handle himself behind a camera, which you know, I guess is the first important step. But, well, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have the writer, director, and the main star is the same person, yeah, it's a little auteurish, but. Uh, it was still the 70s, so the auteur filmmaking was still going pretty strong. And I mean, and then you don't have to pay him to do, uh, you know, you know, you pay him one salary for everything. So it's probably a, a uh, economical business decision there as well. I would also think that he would take a lower director salary just because he's trying to get his foot in the door at that point. More than likely. I mean, it's well because he directed two, three, four, Rocky Balboa. So it's, I mean, it's it's his baby, you know. Yeah, I mean that's, it, I mean that's his kind of his love letter to himself a little bit, but also to the to the fans of the franchise. He just that's, I mean that's how he made himself is with this character, and he's he's never really been able to let it go. And I'm thankful for that. I mean I'm sure some people are like, oh whatever, but well we that's do have Creed too in the, coming out soon, so the character is still going to be around for us a little while longer. Good. That's I think that's coming out in the this fall. Year. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that was a surprising, surprisingly good, I don't want to call it a sequel, it was more of a spin-off. Yeah. But uh, very very entertaining, the first Creed movie, so I'm hopeful for more of the same on the second. But we're not here to talk about that one, we're here for Rocky 2. Eventually, I suspect that we will get to the other Rockies and see where they fall on the scale. 
But uh, let me give the plot to Rocky II for anybody who is not aware of it, uh, which I doubt there's too many people. It's only 40 years old. Yeah. On New Year's Day in 1976, Apollo Creed has defended his heavyweight title in a split decision. He and Rocky are taken to the same hospital. Apollo challenges Rocky to a rematch, but Rocky declines and retires from professional boxing. His girlfriend, Adrian, supports his choice, and so do his doctors, who reveal that he will require surgery for, de- for a detached retina, a condition that could lead to permanent blindness. In a private moment, Rocky goes to see a recuperating Apollo and wants a truthful response if Apollo gave his all in the fight, to which Creed agrees. After Rocky is released from the hospital, he enjoys the benefit of his life's changes. Rocky's new fame attracts an agent who sees Rocky as a potential endorsement and sponsorship goldmine, and his sudden wealth encourages him to propose to Adrian. She happily accepts, and they marry in a small ceremony. Soon after, Adrian reveals that she is pregnant. Meanwhile, fueled by hate mail, Apollo becomes obsessed with the idea that a rematch is the only way to prove that Rocky's performance was simply a fluke. Determined to rectify his boxing career's only blemish, Apollo ignores all pleas by his friends and family to forget the fight and move on to other potential opponents, and instead demands his team do whatever necessary to goad Rocky out of his hiatus and to have a rematch with him. Rocky at first seems unaffected by Apollo's smear campaign, but his inexperience with money causes him to run into financial problems. After several unsuccessful attempts to find employment, Rocky visits Mickey Goldmill, his trainer and manager at his gym, to talk about possibly returning to boxing. At first, Mickey declines, concerned about Rocky's health, but he soon accepts after, Apollo's pub- after Apollo publicly insults Rocky. Adrian confronts Rocky about the danger of returning to boxing and reminds him of the risk to his eyesight. Rocky argues that he knows nothing else, so this is the only way he can provide. Adrian, furious at Rocky for breaking his promise, refuses to support him. Rocky and Mickey begin training, but Rocky's mind is not fully set due to Adrian's disapproval. Adrian's brother, Paulie, confronts his sister about not supporting her husband, but she faints during the confrontation and is rushed to the hospital where she goes into labor. Despite being premature, the baby is healthy, but Adrian falls into a coma. Rocky blames himself for what happened, refusing to leave Adrian's bedside until she wakes up, and will not go to see his new baby until they can see it together. When Adrian comes out of her coma, she finds Rocky by her bedside, and the couple are shown their new baby, a boy, which they name Rocky Jr. Adrian gives her blessing to the rematch, and Rocky quickly gets into shape for the match. When he makes the same training run that he did before, ending at the stairway by the Philadelphia Museum of Art, he is now followed by a crowd of hundreds of children, some of whom followed him with his consent near the start of the run. The night of the match arrives, and Apollo has made a public goal of beating Rocky in no more than two rounds to prove the first match going a full 15 rounds was a fluke. The match is not nearly as close this time as Rocky fighting right-handed to protect his eye instead of his natural southpaw is knocked down twice by Creed and outclassed for much of the match. By the 15th round, Creed is well ahead on points and only needs to stay away from Balboa to win the fight by decision. Creed, not wanting the fight to end like it did the first time, ignores his trainer's pleas and decides to carry on alone in the final round. Rocky switches back to his natural stance and in dramatic fashion, both men, exhausted, trade punches until they knock each other down. If neither got up, it would be a draw with Creed retaining the title. Rocky gets back up at the count of nine while Apollo collapses from fatigue, giving Rocky the win by knockout and making him the new world champion. Rocky then gives an impassioned speech to the crowd and holds the belt over his head with a message for his wife who's watching the fight on TV. 
Yo, Adrian, I did it. And that's the end of Rocky Two. So we do have some of the same beats. Yeah. And uh, it's. Had, let, let me let me ask you. I, I'm guessing you did not see this in the movie theater. Uh, this came out the same year I was born. And you didn't go to the movies to see it. I wish. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe my maybe my birth mother was pregnant with me when she went to go see it. Who the hell knows? Now so. I di- I did not see this. Uh, in its initial release, but I did see it later that year okay. uh, in a double feature with Rocky. Oh, that sounds awesome. It was. <laughs> and and it, it really, it played well together, you know, again, some of the similar beats, but it didn't feel even then like, oh, I'm just watching more of the same. Uh, it felt like I had already seen Rocky in the movies in its initial release, so now I'm seeing it again in the movies three years later. Uh, and it felt like seeing Rocky again was almost a primer to seeing Rocky 2. Uh, I think much the way like people will go to these marathons where they see all the Marvel movies up to now, and then <laughs> yeah. they go see the new release. Yeah, I wish I could do something like that, but that ain't going to happen. That's too much. But uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit about the story. And, and I, again, I, I think the true difference is, this, is that the characters are developing. We're getting more dimension to them and not only we're getting more dimension we're getting story arcs for them mm-hmm. uh, certainly for Rocky and Adrian you know the, the other supporting characters not so much a little bit of Apollo as well I guess yeah um, so we, we you know we start off with him in the hospital and I, I thought I, I remember seeing it at the time and thinking that's interesting that you know like they both go to the hospital afterwards <laughs> well, that had never mean? occurred to me well, after the beating the they both took. Yeah, no, it, yeah. It's, it's absolutely logical, but it had never occurred to me when I saw the first movie that they're beat up so badly that they're going to have to go to the hospital. Yeah, you know, well, it, I mean, it, it makes total sense when you think about it. It does, but that first movie leaves you on is it leaves you on such a high that if that was the end of it, then I mean you'd be perfectly fine with that. But it, I mean, it is it is the logical next step for both of these guys. I mean, they they both consider themselves warriors, so that the interaction that they have is, it seems really just authentic and genuine, and it's it's telling about the kind of personality that Rocky has, where he, I mean, he knows that he went the distance, but he still just he wants to hear from his from his opponent, you know, I did I get the best from you, you know, is it, did, did I actually do what I thought I did, and it's it's a superhuman super not superhuman, but a very human thing to to kind of think about that, you know, when you're doing anything in life like that, it's, you want to know that you did your best. And it, and, and it shows two, you, that, you know, Rocky, Rocky expressed some doubts in the first movie beforehand, yeah. saying, you know, I, I, this guy's the best. I can't stay with him the whole time. You know, who am I to do this? And yeah. then, he, you know, he went to Father Palmine, and he hope he doesn't beat me too bad. <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Yeah. So, now, so now, of course, he's going to have some doubts at this point, you know, because it's his personality. He's not he's not the supremely confident, cocky guy. He's just, he's he's the, you know, the, the, the guy who just does his best all the time, and that's all he can do. And he's questioning, was my best really that good? Or, yeah. you know, was it just you had a bad night kind of thing, you know? And, and I think, you know, it, it's great to see Apollo because you, you get to see his human side, his, his uh, 
boisterous public persona and then back to his human side again. Because right after the match, when they say, you know, ain't going to be no rematch. No one one. And then, yeah. then, you know, he has a chance to recover slightly. And I just think it's a great scene. He comes in in his wheelchair. Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> Let's finish it right now. But then, yeah. then he's, you know, he's laying in bed and Rocky comes in, you know, and, and he's honest with him. Yeah, he did give it his best. And, and I, I just feel like, you know, the, we, we have some real good Apollo moments and Rocky moments there. Absolutely. And it's uh, it's nice groundwork for where their relationship will go, you know, in the future. Because the, these movies don't throw away their characters, which I love. Well, they don't throw them away, but they do tend to kill them off on occasion. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but uh, so, so you know, some of the makeup there could have been a little better as far as the, yeah. the beat up face and everything. I, you know, but but it still it was fine. Um, I liked the fact that Rocky, as dopey as he could be at times, and I think we see the other side of this coin not too long afterwards, but. He he doesn't have. I, I'm not sure he has a total trust right off the bat for this agent that's trying to sign him, because the guy's like, you know, you just sign right here. You just sign. It's a standard deal. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign it later. Now I don't know if he's just so excited by what's going on in his life that he can't be bothered, or if he knows this guy, you know, isn't necessarily looking out for his best interests. Uh, he's well. I mean, come on. He, he worked for Gazzo. He's not. Is he book smart? Absolutely not. Is he straight smart? You bet your ass. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna question you on that a little bit because then when they go to buy the house, he's totally he's a moron when it comes to buying the house. You know, he wants to, uh, this is a good place for a radio. <laughs> but you know, it, it's 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 a real nice house. We'll take it. We didn't even see the upstairs yet. I'm sure it's nice. That's just details. Well, that that would I would say would be more just out of excitement. Well, look at look at what he was in. He was in that crummy studio that was run down. Anything's going to be a step up, you know. Especially when it's like, all right, I just bought a house, so I could I could forgive him on that one. Now the the wedding is exceptionally small, uh, that. and and he really doesn't have that intimate group, you know, that he's close to. He doesn't have a no. lot of friends or anything. But I'm a little surprised, just from a, you know, from a realism point of view, just having done what he did, you would think there'd be some. Uh, some hangers-on that yeah. would, would be looking to be, you know, pre, you know, pr- almost pretend friends that are coming. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's striking, you know, to see that that Gazzo is there. I mean, that's how little his family actually is. It's got a former mob boss, boss, and <laughs> and Polly, who ends up, you know, being his best friend for however good that is. But I mean, that's just who he is. I mean, th- there's very little talk about his folks. You know, so no, we don't. They they really don't mention them at all. No, so, uh, you, the, you just assume that they're deceased. And it's the same. And it's the same with Adrian's family. It's just they're they're two just kind of thrown out people that I mean because they found each other they actually have a family. Well, Adrian's guest list at the wedding is her brother and uh, the the woman who owns the pet shop. That's it. There you go. <laughs> So, but yeah, you know, so it's a, it's a very, very small, intimate wedding with, you know, some of the jokes are forced, but I still find them funny. Oh, oh God, the, the condominium bit yeah. gets me every, every, every it's time. It's a terrible joke, and I laugh at it every time. Oh, it's a great joke. Oh, it's, it's a terrible joke. It's a great joke. <laughs> but I do laugh at it every time, so I guess it is it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and again, like I said, I think Rocky shows his naivete 
that he's not totally street smart as he's just taking whatever money he's got and he's got to buy the jacket with the tiger on the back. He's got to buy that uh, was money well spent. He's got to buy, uh, you know, a, a Trans Am. He's got to buy, uh, what is it? You know, the different watches. I can't even tell time. Uh, <laughs> well, it's again, though, that's just that's somebody again. That's not book smart, because if you, you know, knew anything about economics or money or how to budget or anything, you wouldn't be doing that. But it's uh, he's trying to provide for Adrian. I mean, he sees himself, and he clearly says it later on in the movie. He's like, "I'm a man, and like I have to try to be a man." And he's just trying to provide for for her. And, yeah, and you he know, thinks and for, there's going to be a lot of money coming in. Yeah, and it doesn't work out. No, it doesn't work out at all because, and and that's a scene that that's actually to me it's almost a little painful to watch when they're trying to film the commercials. It is. It's supposed and, to and be. And the painful. director is just so nasty to him. Hey, I ain't punchy. This is the way I talk. You know, it's. Uh, but I feel. Yeah, you feel. You feel bad for Leonard. Him. Where are you going, Leonard? <laughs> I want him off my set. That's. It was. That was painful. But then you know you, you know he's yeah. got. He, he, I mean he hits basically he hits the end of the road very quickly though. Oh yeah. Uh, and I I think that's more of a storytelling aspect than it is realistic because i do think you'd get more chances than that yeah it's it's totally melodramatic but i mean this movie is it lays on the melodrama cheese real thick i mean it's so thick but quickly they don't they don't dwell on it so long that it would get boring for you and i think that's positive because i mean it it is the most soap opera plot of all uh marriage and then domestic problems and then wife in a coma like, yeah. it's, I mean, that's a guiding light right there, you know? Well, one of the, I mean, one of the domestic problems, and they don't really highlight it that much, but it's there. And I remember reading about it before I saw the movie, when they were talking about making the sequel. They said, you know, Rocky and Adrian truly love each other and are devoted to each other. And I think that's shown, and I think there's a tremendous chemistry Absolutely. between the two actors. Yes. Uh, but they also said, and I remember saying, reading it, and then I saw, you know, you see it in the movie, but they don't dwell on it, that she's growing as a person because he's brought her out of her shell yeah and she's dealing with things like when they do the negotiations for the house she's the one who starts asking about the heating system and the taxes and all that like she's the one who asks the intelligent questions so she's she's been you know developing and coming out of it all whereas he's still out in the street playing stickball with 12 year olds and they have that scene where he is playing stickball and and i remember them talking about it at the time and they were saying that that is creating some tension in their marriage, which they don't really show that so much because they want to move on to the point where the tension is truly created by the fact that he wants to box. Yeah, but it's, well, I mean, I got to be honest, I don't want to see that movie either. I suspect that there was some stuff on the editing room floor, though, that was filmed that we never saw of a little bit more of marital problems. I don't know that for a fact. It's just a a speculation on my part because when I remember reading that and seeing they didn't show it or focus on it as much as they talked about it beforehand. Yeah, that's, that's true. And I mean, if I ever get the chance to meet Sly, then I'll ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so we, we get to the point where, uh, we, we, well, actually I I guess we have a a really nice transition too, because you see Rocky and, and Adrian's house, which is a huge step up from where they lived. Mm-hmm. But then we transition from that to Apollo's house. Oh, yeah, Apollo's house. Which is a mansion. So, you know, yeah. Adrian and Rocky went from living in, you know, 
really low-level apartments to mm-hmm. a middle-class house. And yeah. Apollo's living in a mansion with, you know, it's got the, the old, you know, the, the two the levels. Palatial gym. <laughs> but, you know, not even the gym. This is, that was his house. The kids are running around. He's reading hate mail up on the uh, balcony. Uh, you know, it, it was, it, you know, they, they truly, you know, they really showed in a very short scene just, you know, what his life is, is like when he's not working and yeah, how well, good he has it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was the champ for quite a while. You know, they they you know, made such a point about him being the best, and he had never been uh, knocked down before. He had never—I yeah. don't think he ever went the distance before. No, nobody, no, nobody's ever gone the distance with Apollo Creed. Yeah, so um, you know, and and he's reading his hate mail, and he's taking it to heart because now he's doubting himself a little. Yeah, it's some nice parallel stories. Yeah, so he, he's got to prove him. Well, he's got to he's got to prove to the world and to himself that that was a fluke by knocking out Rocky. Yeah. That's that's because you know that's now his big goal, and I think that's you know it's cool how how like you say how it's paralleling it, uh, and I was as I was doing the rewatch for watching it today, it's the first time it occurred to me, you know they they get to the scene where he's in the office. I, I love how Apollo is a businessman; he's not just an athlete. Absolutely. Uh, and he's talking to his handlers, uh, in particular uh, Tony Duke. Tony, yeah, and. Uh, you know, they, they, they're recommending that he don't go for this, but then, you know, he... I guess Tony's the only one in his entourage who's not a yes-man. No, no, he's the... He, it seems like they, they've they got history from, from way back, you know. Oh, no, clearly Who knows? Tony's, Tony's not a uh, yes-man, that I know. But I'm saying, I don't think anybody else has that relationship. I think everybody no, else everybody, in the entourage every, is whatever, Rock, whatever Apollo says, we do. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, but he, he sets himself up, you know, he's, they want, he wants to pressure Rocky into fighting him. And they even come right out and say, you know, you're going to be the villain if we do this. And he's perfectly willing to take that on. And again, until I did this rewatch, it didn't occur to me. But I, th- I, I see a parallel there with uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Okay. If I, I don't know if you how much of this you know you follow uh, this as, is before your time you. also yeah way but before what Apollo, what Muhammad Ali did with the black community and it was really just a terrible thing actually uh, is he presented Joe Frazier as an Uncle Tom Ugh. and you know he wasn't. You know, uh, you know, as far as everything I know, Joe Frazier came from, you know, from a black neighborhood and was was supportive of his neighborhood and, you know, true to his roots. And, you know, I think he I think if if my understanding is accurate, I think he even after he made a lot of money, he stayed in that general area. And, you know, he never he never left it. And 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 Muhammad Ali presented him as as being like a, uh, you know, a tool of the white man. And made, you know, kind of ostracized him in the black community, and it's something he carried with him almost for the rest of his life. Ugh. And it really is sad when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was, I'm a fan of Muhammad Ali in a lot of ways, but I do find that to be, you know, kind of despicable actually, because he hurt this man's life. It's not just, you know, it's not just a match at that point. No, it's. This you can certainly try to get somebody into the ring and, and insult them and stuff, but when you're going to turn good people against somebody else that's good, that's just horrible. Yeah, that's I mean, and that's effectively what I understand that he did. And there might be people who have a greater understanding of that whole dynamic and what went on. Uh, I may be oversimplifying it slightly, but I think what I'm saying is basically the reality of it. Uh, and I think I think there's a little bit of that element to Apollo 
turning himself into the villain, being willing to, you know, to, to embarrass Rocky and, and to, you know, not caring about how that might affect Rocky's life. Rocky's staying out of this because he could become blind by fighting. Yeah. I mean, he, he it's clear that he doesn't want to retire, but it's, yeah, I mean, what do you do? I mean, the next punch you take can, can leave you disabled in some way. Like, that's, you just can't do that. Yeah, the reality is Apollo should be saying, hey, Rocky, meet me for lunch. Let's sit down and talk, and we'll see if we can, you know, I'll see if I can convince you to fight me. And then Rocky That's should be he, saying, saying, you know, I can't because I got this detached retina. I could go blind. And at that point, Apollo should respect his decision and leave him alone. Yeah. We yeah, should never get to this smear campaign. I know. But then we'd never have a movie. No, and, and, so. no, and I understand that. But I'm, I'm just and I'm not saying it from the point of view of this is how the movie should have been written. I'm saying that's how a truly honorable man would have handled it. Yeah. And, so and, and so I'm, we're seeing an aspect of, of Apollo that he's so enraged by what's going on. Because, you know, through this whole thing, we've never gotten the feeling that, that Apollo is a bad man. No, I've, I've never, even the very first time when I was a kid and I watched the movies, I never thought of Apollo as a bad guy. But he's so enraged by what's going on that he's not thinking clearly and he's doing the wrong thing. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, it's this, and it goes the same for, for Rocky on the other side of it. He's, he should, you know, at, at that point where, especially he's married and he's got the kid now, it's like, he needs to do the same thing. He needs to kind of get push his ego to the side and and see what's really important to him. I know the boxing is, but not when you get a family to take care of. Now, somebody who cares about him and is more streetwise, maybe Gazo, should be saying to him, "Hey, Rock, there's other avenues out there for you to make money just based on what you did already." You don't have to go into the ring. We can do this. We can do that. You know, they and like I said, they kind of went by that really quickly because they're trying. The pacing of this story is actually very fast. Yeah. You know, they didn't want to dwell on the okay, he's failing in his career because he did. You know, but he went straight from trying the commercials, not doing well, to working at the meat factory again. Yeah. <laughs> and then getting laid off from that and having nothing. Oh, and then going to the gym and you know carrying people's spit buckets around. You know, there there was. There had to be a middle ground somewhere that they never explored. And again, I don't know that it would have made a better movie. No, but I mean, dragged it on and it would have been a little bit too much pathos for us. But yeah, but and again, that's one of the things with Rocky, though. Rocky, you know, he he pushed himself in the boxing ring, but I don't know if he's at a point yet where he'd be willing to push himself into avenues that he's completely uncomfortable with. But, you know, you you also got to keep in mind that, again, I'm just talking about this. Spit, spitballing ideas. Again, not necessarily making it a better movie. Just talking <laughs> about if this was real life. Yes, in real life. He, in real life, he, Rocky can't do commercials because he can't read off the cue card and he can't memorize them and whatever. And he can't act. <laughs> but why, you know, in that era, we're talking about in the late 1970s, it's not now where print is dead. He could have been doing newspaper ads for sporting equipment. He yeah. could have been doing, uh, you know, he could have even doing ads for things like, you know, watches and GQ type things. You know, if you know, he may not be the smartest guy, but he was, you know, a, a well-developed, good-looking guy. So there's no reason he couldn't have done, you know, advertising in different avenues. Yeah, and you, but then again, you can also only take what's offered to you. So. Yeah, but that, and, that's, and that's why I'm saying somebody who's more intelligent than him or more more uh, sophisticated than him is probably a better way to say it, should be saying, hey, Rock, there's, there's other ways for you to go out there and make a living. 
yeah. where you don't have to be carrying spit around. Yeah, but, unfortunately, that's not the crew he runs with. <laughs> yeah, and and that's you know even even that uh, what's his name Leonard, uh, the uh, the agent. You would think he would have said, "All right, we're not doing good in commercials, but I can get you this other stuff." But yeah, know, that's like I said again. Wouldn't would not make it a better movie. It would make it a worse movie. But it would, <laughs> yeah. but but just you know re- real life. I'm just talking here. All right. So so he goes to the gym and he's working there for for Mickey and I, you know this this points in there where the bullying that goes on seems a little almost unrealistic to me because he's clearly you know Rocky's a good guy and he's turning the other cheek but at some point. I think he would have lashed out if that was real. These these guys are laying it on a little thick. They're they're coming (laughs) at him, you know, where's your pride? Italian chicken. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, he should have turned around and clocked somebody. Yeah. Uh, But you know what? He's he's so mild-mannered through most of the movies, though. I don't know if he'd have that in him because it's like he just doesn't – this is not what he does. I don't know. That, to me, that's the guy who says, uh, what's the matter with my place? My place stinks? That's right, it stinks! That's about the only time he ever gets angry, though. Is that is that time, you know? What about He's my prime? Really... <laughs> <laughs> uh... <laughs> yeah, best scene yeah. in the movie. But, you know, but, uh... you know what, what they're doing there, or what Sylvester Stallone is doing there, is he wants the audience to be saying, come on, Rocky, you got to do something about this. And Which that's is why what, he's brilliant. Doing. Yeah. Again, that's that you know I'm I, I, I'm not criticizing it that it makes it a lesser movie because it doesn't it makes it, what he did makes it a better movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm criticizing. I'm just saying it, it stretches reality a little bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's certainly well everything about the Rocky movie stretches reality. <laughs> that's why I'm there. So uh, you know then Adrian has the baby and then we you know. That's probably the scene, you know, I talked about the pacing and things are moving along quick. After the baby is born is probably the slowest scene. It, it, I think it it doesn't, the pacing doesn't do itself a favor during that, whatever it is, 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, because it, it drags down to a to a snail's crawl. While it he's does kind of grind. The, the yeah. only moment to me that, that just jumps out that I love is when, when Mickey gives his little speech about that he's going to stay with them. I don't yeah. want to get angry and lose my temper in a biblical place like this. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. It's But, yeah, I mean, it does give you that great scene. But, uh, honestly, if they had rushed her being in a coma, we'd be like, oh, come on. You know, you got you to gotta do that, you know, that, that Rocky montage. It's a slow montage, you know, with a lot more dialogue. But it's basically just those little vignettes of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, and and it, it, that I think drags on a little bit too long. I think they could have, I think they could have edited that a little differently and moved it along a little bit more quickly and still giving you the idea of how loyal he is and how he's staying by her side through sure. everything. But whatever, we move on. She finally comes out of the coma. We get our little win, and that's the point. Right there is the cutoff where it does become a revisit of the first movie. Yeah, but I, you've been waiting the act, whole act time. three. Yeah, what yeah. it does is he brings us through Act One and Act Two to 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 you know it's all we got all new stuff in there in Act One and Act Two. Act Three is okay. You've been waiting to get back to it. Now we're going to take you back again. And it's and it's so sweet when it happens. Yeah, because that Bill Conti score kicks in and you get the training montages again. 
And now everybody, Rocky's a household name now, so everybody's just rooting for him and running with him, and it's just... Oh, I, I, think, I think that scene, to revisit the scene on the steps with whatever's, I think they said 800 extras. That's crazy. Uh, I think that was brilliant. Oh, yeah, it totally was. Because he's... And again, it's it's just that's visual storytelling for how his life has changed too. He was just the the one guy, the down on his luck bum, with nobody, and he's just running and you know he's running up the stairs by himself and no one's there. And now everybody knows Rocky, everybody loves Rocky, and and everybody gonna... who saw the first movie wishes they were there running with him, and now they are. Yeah. That's I think that's I like I said I think it's brilliant that they did that and they they managed to do the same scene repeat the same beat but give it just enough change so that you're watching it and you're pumping your fist again. Oh yeah, when he when he starts running and breaking away from the pack of kids, it's just like I'm ready. I'm I even ready like for... I, I even liked in the background you hear that one kid going go go, go! go! yeah <laughs> perfect that's perfect. So you know once again Sylvester Stallone and. Uh, and Bill Conti managed to give me goosebumps. Yeah, it's it's just great. And then we get to you know uh, you know you know what's interesting. I read in the uh, trivia, uh, Adrian is supposed to be at the fight. The okay. reason the reason she isn't at the fight is because she was filming another movie and they were uh, they were they were getting in the way of each other. A movie called Old Boyfriends. So Sylvester Stallone decided, okay, we can do this now so that she had to stay home because of the baby. Yeah, and that makes total sense. And, and what they did was they filmed those scenes of her at home, like later after they had wrapped up everything else. Nice. So that, that that's just an interesting touch. But I think it also is, I, I think it played well, and I'm jumping ahead now to the end, but when it cuts back and forth between him in the ring and her at home watching and her reaction to it, I think that's all, all yep. you know, it's, it's almost like a lucky accident. Uh, you know, a, a, which I think a lot of the best mo- moments in a lot of movies are that, you know, they, they, they were forced to improvise because of circumstances kind of, you know, always makes us yeah. think of Bruce the shark, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I think it made for a better scene. It made for a, a more compelling drama for that moment. Yeah. To have her plus, watching it at home. Yeah. Plus he's, he's by himself this time. It's just him and it's just him and Mickey, you know, it, it, it he, granted she wasn't at the fight in the first one either, but she's there at the end of it. Well, she was, in, yeah, she was in the uh, dressing room when, when the fight was going on or the locker yeah. room. Yeah, she wasn't watching. Now she is watching, you know, so it's it's different. She's watching, and he knows what he's fighting for and what, what he has to get back home to. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, we get into the, to the match, and part of the storyline that we haven't touched on is the fact that he, in Mickey's training, uh, Learned how to fight right-handed to protect his eye. Yep. Which is was also a uh, kind of a, a circumstantial story point because that happened because Sylvester Stallone ripped a bicep or a tricep in training. Oof. And and while it was healing, was unable to film the scenes that way, so they they added to that to the story. Yeah, but man, what an impact that makes! That's just I, you know, I would have thought that was totally planned, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's a, a you know a, it, it definitely adds to the drama. And as you're watching it, at least for me, as I was watching it, I'm thinking, well, that didn't work. He's losing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's the point of, of changing the style if you if you're gonna lose? 
Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> you certainly could have written the, he could have written this movie very differently, and, and just had him getting beaten to a pulp in fifteen rounds again. But uh, but, the, but the fight scenes, while as unrealistic as the first movie, are equally compelling. Yeah, they're uh, they're shot a little bit better. There's less air for most of those um, staged punches in this one, and they actually filled the spectrum, which is yeah. I'm like, you know, that was one of the things that surprised me was, you know, the movie opens up with the end of the first movie, and they didn't excise the scenes when you can see that the spectrum's empty. Eh, what are you gonna do? Economy of storytelling. Yeah, I would have thought that they would, you know, just kind of edit it so you don't see those anymore. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, the the first movie was such a phenomenon, they didn't need to. (laughs) They're like, we're going to get people amped up again and go. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they did. So, uh, you know, the the scenes kind of mirror each other, but the difference is Apollo's winning, Apollo's winning, Apollo's winning. But his ego won't let him just let him win. He has it has to be a decisive knockout for him to be happy, and, and ultimately his ego is his undoing. I I mean I I get that though I I totally understand why you'd because I mean you you could have taken the easy way out and then everybody would said ah uh, yeah whatever again and you'd be dealing with the same thing so I can understand him wanting to put Rocky on the mat for ten seconds. Well, also he he put it on the line himself. He kept saying he's not going to last two rounds with me. Now we're in round 15. Yes, I can win, but everybody's going to say, you know, you said you were going to knock him out in two and you got a decision. Yeah. You know, his his only chance to try and save face on that is to knock him out. Because otherwise people are going to look for, for the third match. Absolutely. If he doesn't knock Rocky out, people are looking for a third match. <laughs> and then you probably wouldn't get Rocky back in the ring again anyway, <laughs> if that happened. Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah. So ultimately, you know, it's it's a little corny yeah, it <laughs> the is. way it ends, but it's okay because again, it gets my goosebumps going, and I think I think we have to give a lot of the praise to Bill Conti for that. Oh yeah, Bill Conti, and uh, I don't know who did the editing, but the editing in this one is great too. Mm-hmm. You know, it just pulls that when you get those the few times that this goes to slow mo in this movie, it's for the correct dramatic effect. You know, it's it's just building up that tension of. They've both hit the mat. The ref started the 10 count. It just, are they going to get up? Or is one of them going to get up? What's going to happen? And it's just that one second, you know, that when you're watching a movie, I want that drama. I want that pull the whole time. Twist, twist the knife until you get to that movie style. It's just at the last possible second that the, you know, your, your, your hero shines through. Mm hmm. And we get a win from Rocky, and again, the impassioned speech afterwards, and then roll credits with Rocky hugging Mickey yeah. this time around. Yeah. That, again, going out, you got to go out on that high note, man. Well, I don't think they had a choice. They couldn't. They could not have him lose again. I think even going into the movie at whatever I was at the time, 15, uh, well, 1979, so I would have been 16. Uh, I, you know, I knew he oh, had to old. win. I knew he had to win. Yeah, there, I think was, everybody did, but, you know, there, but was, that's there was no but, suspense to that. The question was, how is he going to win? Yeah, and they made it suspenseful because, like you said, the preconceived notion of, the, you know, he has to win this time. So, you know, you play up the drama, though. You know, we kind of know the destination, and but the journey was <laughs> was well worth it. Absolutely. 
And then, yeah, I, I think, you know, overall, this was just a fun, satisfying sequel. That's my take on it. It isn't the standalone great movie that the first one is. But no. it's very, very satisfying. And, you know, I I don't have the same desire to rewatch this as often as I do the first one. But if I have the time and I watch the first one, more often than not, I want to you go have right to watch into this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, they're cut from the same cloth. I mean, those these are the two that feel the most of of the same piece, you know, and, and just we'll, we'll, stylistically. Yeah, we'll talk about it more down the road. But frankly, if if I have the time, I'd like to watch one, two, and then three. I uh, see. I I love these movies so much. I'm gonna probably be tipping my hand for the rest of the series. If there's many a day when I'd be by myself and nothing to do, and it's like, all right, I got all these five Rocky movies here. I'm not doing anything for the next ten hours. Well, I'm I, I'm tipping my hand a little bit on Rocky three, but I'm not gonna tip my hand on Rocky four just yet. I'll I'll keep that okay, one fair to enough. myself. Well, and and even Rocky three, we don't know where it's gonna land on the spectrum. Okay. All right. All right. We'll get there. Uh, before we get to the spectrum, uh, any more thoughts on this one? Uh, man, more great, more great uh, acapella from Frank Stallone. You know. There are two kinds of love. It's good stuff, man. It's just good stuff. You're like, you're like hey. the neighborhood jukebox. <laughs> it's it's interesting how he how he gets his brother involved in this. Uh, but you know, it, it, it I don't see street gangs like that. Uh, <laughs> Hanging around the burning it, trash can singing a cappella. I don't then see again, that. Again, we weren't in our thirties in Philly, you know, at that time, so who That's knows? True. Well, I, I don't find too many street gangs in their 30s hanging out in the streets, period. Well, but well they're not like, singing anyway. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I kind of like the way he fits into it. And, you know, he's, you know, what are you doing? I just kind of got married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, the soundtrack here, it's, it's you know, it's mostly the same beats from Bill yeah. Conti. Uh, but the beats are so good that who cares? Yeah. It, it's it's a you know it gets you really excited and gets your blood pumping and uh, I think it's a terrific score throughout and just overall this movie was a pretty big hit I don't know what the budget was I don't assume it was it couldn't have been too much yeah I don't think it was that high uh, the worldwide take on it was over two hundred million which it's in huge. 1979 was a huge take yeah yeah so this this was a big hit obviously paving the way that we were going to get Rocky 3 at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where does it fall on the Jaws scale? Once again, for everybody oh, listening, boy. Jaws is a classic, all-time classic, great movie, very few flaws, if any. Jaws 2, solid movie, very entertaining, worthy of rewatches. Jaws 3, entertaining movie, but nothing special. Jaws 4, a bad movie. Chris, where uh, do you fall? Well, all right, so... This is, see, this is actually tough because I love this whole series so much that I, I want to say Jaws for this. But I can't say Jaws 2 either. Like, it's dead square in the middle between Jaws and Jaws 2. It's like a Jaws 2.5, which I guess is closer to Jaws 3. So we won't say that. Uh, we'll say, it's, it's, either an, it's either an A- minus or a B- plus for me. And I get, I get that your mileage will vary with with the Rocky movies, but for me, it's, it's right on that line. If you're going to hold my feet to the fire, I got to say Jaws. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to give it as I'm going to give it a, a, a dead center Jaws two. Uh, Fair enough. I find it to be very entertaining, very rewatchable, not quite as flawless as the first one, partially because it's not as much of a standalone movie as the first yeah. one, uh, partly because it does have some of the same beats, so it does it does feel like we're revisiting a little bit, even though, as I've made a point of saying, I do feel that the characters grow, and this is a, a new story. This isn't, uh, you know, you and I have talked at length about Die Hard and Die Hard 2, and about how <laughs> Die Hard 2 really is... Die Hard, <laughs> almost a remake of Die Hard with yeah. the same people, but we were okay. Excuse me, we were okay with that. Uh, but this is not that. Even though there's got to be this almost gut feeling that it is, it really isn't when you think about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. At least that's my my take on it. No, and I, I get it. Like it, it's you know, if I if my like I said, if my feet weren't being held to the fire, then you know, I you know. Maybe Jaws too, but I, for me it's a Jaws. Yeah, that's fine. I'm sure uh, I'd be interested in hearing where other people fall on it. If people want to email in. We're at uh, JawsPodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, but at some point in the not too distant future, as as we've already alluded to, we'll get to Jaws three. We'll, I'm sure we'll get to Die Hard three. <laughs> we, we've we've got a lot of movies to cover yet. Oh, absolutely. In the meanwhile, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Where, where else on the Two True Freaks oh, network they can find you? Okay, well, I'm all over the place. Uh, I post regularly on the Facebook group. Uh, I do the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with Chris Honeywell, Jay, and Luke Jacknetti. I do Cast Protection, which covers the Netflix series Stranger Things, along with some uh, stuff that's related to that show with Jonathan Kreitz and Dave Atterbury. I do Weekly Heroics where we cover uh, with Scott McGregor where we cover... Uh, the current uh, comic book based TV shows. Um, mostly we've just been focusing on Preacher and uh, Legion just because, you know, time is, time is the fire in which we burn. And, uh, and I just had another show with my buddy Bob Bobson called Grown Men Having Conversations where it's two 30 uh, something guys just um, picking a different topic every week and seeing where it goes. So, uh, yeah, I'm everywhere. Yeah, we're glad to have you everywhere. Oh, good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Chris, thanks for coming on and uh, indulging my rocky wishes here. Oh, Uh, always a pleasure. We'll talk again soon, my friend. Ding, ding. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's for Rocky 3, but whatever. I used it now. Uh, It's 3 in the morning. You know that I... uh, I went up to your house, Dad. They told me you was here. It's at 3 a.m., kid. Is that uh, Adrian? She's a good girl. Me, you know, I'm sorry for both of you. Hmm? Well, nothing I can do with it. Except it. I'd like to tell you something once, and then I, I ain't gonna say it again. Well, Rocky, you got a, a, another shot. It's a second shot. At the, uh, I don't know, the biggest title in the world. Huh? And you're gonna be swapping punches with, with the most dangerous fighter in the world. And just in case, 
you know your brain ain't working so good. All this happens pretty soon, and you ain't ready. You're nowhere near. You, you know, you're in shape. So I say, you know, for God's sake, why don't you stand up and fight this guy hard like you've done before? That was beautiful. But don't lay down in front of him like this. Like a, I don't know, like a, some kind of mongrel or something. Because he's going to kick your face in pieces. You know that? That's right. This guy just don't want to win, you know. He wants to bury you. He wants to humiliate you. He wants to prove to the whole world that it was nothing but some kind of a, a freak the first time out. That he said you're a one-time lucky bum. Well, now, I don't, I don't want to get mad in a biblical place like this. But I think you're a hell of a lot more than that, kid. A hell of a lot. But, uh, now, wait a minute. If, if you want to blow it, if you want to blow this thing, uh, damn it, I'm going to blow it, would you? You want to stay here? I'll stay with you. I'll stay with you. Yeah. I'll stay and pray. I got to lose. Okay. Mm -hmm.